0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, voting amid a pandemic. We get an update from Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. AAA says travel will be different this Memorial Day weekend, and local gyms are feeling the pain as a result of COVID-19. But first... State lawmakers went back home this week, but not for long, even as Governor Tim Walls started getting major pushback on his COVID emergency orders. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap.
1: Scott, the week began with the end of the 2020 legislative session and its major task unfinished, namely a bonding bill for state public works projects.
0: Ending the peacetime emergency in exchange for a bonding bill is a deal that will never, ever, ever happen. It's irresponsible to even suggest it.
1: House Democratic Majority Leader Ryan Winkler responding to earlier comments by Republican Leader Kurt Dowd that there would be no bonding bill unless the governor relinquishes his COVID emergency powers. But Dowd said early Monday morning, right after the closing gavel of the session, that the world will be different in three weeks. I think most businesses will be open by that time. I think we're hopeful that probably all businesses will be open by that time in Minnesota. Um, And and I think things will look different. So um, I think we'll have a better opportunity to pass a bonding bill at that time. The politically explosive issue of the governor's emergency authority probably is not the only thing that doomed a bonding bill during this year's regular session. Republicans said Democrats' $2 billion number was too high. 675,169 Minnesotans have filed for unemployment. The state has lost $4 billion worth of revenue over that time. And we're continuing here as if it's business as usual. But Democrats responded Republicans' just under $1 billion figure for a bonding bill was too low. Investments have been neglected, leaving problems for someone else to solve. We need
0: to fix your neglect. That is why we are bringing this bill forward.
1: Democrats' bill did not get enough votes to pass in the Minnesota House, and in the Senate, the Republican package. The
2: bill fails to pass.
1: That, after Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka warned Democrats. This is the last train leaving the station, this uh, session for a bonding bill. The operative phrase there is this session, because there almost certainly will be a special session next month on COVID-related issues, not the least of which could end up being whether the governor is allowed to extend his emergency powers. I think everybody knows we're going to be back here in three weeks, so it's not the end of the world. And there will be a bonding bill. There absolutely will be. It won't be this one but there will be a bonding bill passed in the state. House Republican
2: Minority Leader Kurt Dowd. Governor Tim Walls, disappointed. That the bonding bill apparently became victim to an unrelated demand simply isn't the way to get this done. I will not give up. We go around roadblocks. We figure out ways to get there. We've been on the phone bipartisanly continuing to try and work this out, and, and we will continue to do that.
1: And what will the 2020 regular legislative session be known for? Senate Majority Leader Gazelka says things started out normally and then COVID hit. And it was like, it just it was it's hard to explain what kind of a wrench that threw into how we do do legislative work. And so We dropped everything and put all our effort into COVID. Despite COVID-19 overshadowing everything, lawmakers did pass some significant legislation this session, including an insulin assistance program that they'd been wrangling over for nearly a year. And the legislature increased the tobacco purchasing age in Minnesota to 21. We do not have enough personal protective equipment, nurses told a special legislative committee this week, then marching to the Capitol to emphasize their point. Brittany Livy Carey, an RN at United Hospital, says every day they fight tooth and nail to get protections they need.
3: The struggle is tiring. Even on the days we win, we feel like we're only treading water. And when the flood hits
4: our tail, we won't be prepared.
1: Erica Helling, registered nurse at M Health Fairview Southdale Hospital, told lawmakers
4: Since COVID-19, personal protective equipment standards are well below the very basics of infectious disease practice.
1: State officials acknowledge changes in guidelines for PPE use, but Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm says
5: We have not had a reason to differ with the CDC's uh, guidance on prioritization and conservation of PPE.
1: Some question why elective surgeries are being allowed again in Minnesota when supply of Personal protective equipment is still tight and nurses are warning that PPE is being rationed. House Democratic Majority Leader Ryan Winkler.
0: To return then to life as usual and elective procedures, that may also be the right choice. But it should be noted that it is at the sacrifice of the health and safety of healthcare workers. Mary
1: Krenke with the Minnesota Hospital Association responded the medical needs of non-COVID patients must also be considered.
4: What do you have if you have a tumor that needs to be removed? We've had patients that didn't get procedures for the last two months, and that was the right decision to make. But we need to be able to bring some of those procedures back.
1: Governor Walls acknowledged it is a problem that keeps him up at night.
2: What I would say to Minnesotans, if your nurses are nervous about it, there's probably a reason to be nervous about it.
1: And a lot of businesses less than happy this week when the governor announced that restaurants and bars will be allowed to reopen June 1st, but for outdoor dining only. Liz Raymer with Hospitality Minnesota says many greater Minnesota establishments don't have the outdoor dining option, and it could be the final blow for some.
3: There are small-town cafes and coffee shops and this is going to be another devastating blow to those folks who are fully anticipating to be able to open their in restaurant dining by June 1.
2: The governor responded I understand the frustrations. I understand the desire, but the science is too strong. We can't pretend with 100,000 dead Americans that this is just going to go away.
1: The governor urged restaurants and bars where possible to be creative on opening up space or even working with local communities to block off streets.
2: But for those who absolutely can't, what I would tell them is to continue to work on this, continue to work with us, know that we're doing everything we can on the thing that we can control this.
1: The governor's order allows salons and barbershops to reopen June 1st with safety precautions, including customers and workers wearing masks. But guidance for church services remained unchanged at a maximum of 10 parishioners inside, 10 outdoors. The Catholic Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis defied the governor's order, announcing public masses will resume May 26th, just before Pentecost on May 31st. It is in times like these that people turn to the church for comfort, support and hope. And it is our sacred duty to meet the spiritual needs of the suffering in any way we can. Archbishop Bernard Hebda says they will, quote, resume our essential sacramental activities with appropriate precautions and adaptations. The Minnesota South District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod will also resume public services May 26th. The Reverend Dr. Lucas Woodford.
6: Today is one of mixed emotions as we make the hard decision to reopen our churches to our communities after being left behind and the governor's office allows retail and other non-critical businesses to
0: reopen. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
2: Hi, Minnesota. Governor Tim Walz here. I know the past few weeks have been incredibly difficult and disruptive. We're facing an unprecedented challenge in the COVID-19 virus. I want you to know that the state of Minnesota is putting every resource into this fight. We're being thoughtful and collaborative, both inside and outside of government, to keep Minnesotans safe. What I need from each of you is, is continue to do what you've been doing so well. Stay home when you can, especially when you're sick. Follow those rules, wash your hands, cover your cough, Don't touch your face. They're not just things to repeat, they actually save lives. If you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website and use the hashtag StayHomeMN. Minnesotans, we've been through challenging times before. This will press us, but we will get through it. We'll do it by the basic decency, about caring for our neighbors, and following the rules that keep us all safe. We'll get through this together, Minnesota, and come out stronger on the other side. Thanks for your cooperation.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Amid COVID-19, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon is calling on all eligible Minnesota voters to apply for their absentee ballots now. He says it's easy to do online with a new tool that allows registered voters to request their ballot be sent to them by mail for the August 11th statewide primary and the November 3rd general election.
5: Well, we have the website, mnvotes.org, mnvotes.org, org, and that's where citizens can go to order their ballot to come to them at home for either the August primary election or the November general election. Very easy. takes people probably about two minutes to do, and that way people can vote from the comfort of their own homes and perform a public service, which in this time of the pandemic means Um, uh, making it easier for people who do show up at the polling place to space out. You're helping those who do show up um, to be safer. And I think we all want that. So I'm going to lead by example. My wife and I are both going to mnvotes.org, and we are ordering our ballots for both the primary and the general election to come to us so we can vote at home. And we hope as many other people in Minnesota as possible do that.
0: In in terms of what the state legislature might do, is there any traction to try to get uh, help from them to ensure that people are doing this to maintain social distancing? Should it be necessary, or is it too late for that?
5: No, it's not too late. In fact, I think that the um, compromise legislation that the governors at our office uh, help negotiate does help in that respect. It provides um, access to federal funds um, that we can use to help cities and counties, local governments generally, implement things at the polling place to make in-person voting safer, things like uh, PPE, things like uh, social distancing, um, extra help for possible temporary staffing. Uh, And as to voting from home, um, extra resources that can be used to make that happen. I'm talking about the extra envelopes and paper and postage that it will require um, for people to do that. So whether it's in-person voting or voting at home, I think we at least now have the resources that will help we, not, we want more and we need more from the federal government. I want to make that clear. But this will help counties and cities offset the cost of voting either way, uh, voting at home or voting in person.
0: Even though these crucial steps are being taken, are there any lingering concerns on your part in terms of the public health uh, safety of voters? I guess
5: my concern is more around um driving down the numbers of people who vote at polling places we're still going to have polling places and still have uh places to go on election day to vote in person but we want them to be significantly less crowded just so your listeners know the overall statewide average is a thousand people per polling place that's an average some places it's higher some places it's much much lower but the average is three thousand Uh, Or 1,000, rather. 1,000 for polling place. And we need to get that number down. And so the more people take advantage of current law to vote from home, the better. That's going to drive that number downward, and that's what we need. So that's a big concern.
0: In terms of user-friendliness for this, if we have folks that are maybe not necessarily Internet-savvy or even maybe elderly Minnesotans that aren't used to finding things like this online, any particular advice or special help for those folks?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I would urge them to call their city hall or call their county, and they don't even have to use the Internet. And they can arrange with those folks to order their ballot to come to them. You don't have to do it online, but the online way is is very quick and very easy. So folks can call. uh, They could call our office, uh, the Secretary of State's office, but probably the easiest way would be to call their city hall and or their county, say that they want the absentee ballot sent to them, and they can be connected
0: that way. And Mr. Secretary with the uh, voting looking slightly different as we deal with this pandemic any any particular message or advice that you have to Minnesota voters you haven't covered already in this conversation
5: I would just say that I urge people to consider voting from home this year it's quick it's easy you just go to mnvotes.org and you can get it done very simply and easily or call your city hall or county the other though the other push though that I would make is We are going to need people to help out by being poll workers or election judges, as they're called in Minnesota, in the polling places. We need about 30,000 poll workers in Minnesota to put on an election. And those are very often um, very capable folks who do that. But some of the people who usually perform that function are in um, vulnerable categories when it comes to this um, COVID-19 crisis. They tend to skew uh, much older, and we want to make sure that we can recruit um, from across different demographic groups so if there's any of uh, one in your listening audience who's interested in being a an election judge or a poll worker it's a paid position it's not a volunteer position it pays anywhere from you know 10 to 20 bucks an hour depending on where you're from and where you live um, I urge folks to contact their city or county and offer to do that work it's fun work it's good work and it's a real public service this year in particular
0: Thank you to my guest, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. For the first time in 20 years, AAA will not issue a Memorial Day travel forecast. Tasha Radel has more.
4: That's right, Scott. In all my years covering this holiday forecast, I've never not known AAA to not issue their Memorial Day travel projections. But again, the COVID-19 pandemic is also having a ripple effect on travel in general. Joining me now is Meredith Terpstra with AAA Minnesota. Meredith, let's talk a little bit about this unique decision to not issue a holiday travel forecast. Sure.
3: So the first time in 20 years, we're not actually issuing a Memorial Day travel forecast because we usually use economic data to create that forecast and it's been undermined with all of the COVID-19 shutdowns. So instead of being able to accurately Tell everyone how many people are traveling this holiday. We are planning on releasing a
4: different release later on. But I can talk about the past and what we did
3: know before the
4: shutdown. Absolutely. I'm guessing the travel landscape a year ago looked much different.
3: So last year we had 43 million Americans that traveled for Memorial Day weekend, which is the second highest travel volume on record since AAA began tracking this holiday in, um, in the year 2000. And because of the social distancing guidelines that are still in practice, we think that this holiday travel weekend will likely be setting our record low. So just for a reference point, the record low is currently Memorial Day from 2009, which was coming towards the end of the Great Recession. We only had 31 million travelers, which is a difference of 12 million people on the road, but we think that... There's a chance that even less people will be traveling this year, and that means that this will be the new record flow.
4: Meredith, let's talk gas prices. I know it's costing me much less to fill my tank these days, and I'm guessing that's true for many of us. And we're very grateful for this, obviously, during this difficult time.
3: So our national gas price average today for regular gas is a dollar eighty seven or to a dollar eighty eight. And one year ago, our average gas price for regular gas was 2 We're almost an entire dollar lower than we were at this point last
4: year. I am guessing Minnesota is mirroring the national prices or perhaps even better.
3: So the Minnesota state average is at $1.74. We're a little bit more than 10 cents below the national average. And last year at this time, we were at 2 So again, we're a whole dollar lower than last year which is good because that means that when people are traveling, if they are traveling for this holiday and are choosing to travel, then they're having lower gas prices. But there's another good thing about the gas prices is if they stay this low, we're anticipating a fairly large uptick in summer and fall travel. Before COVID hit in March, the AAA travel survey went out. And 90% of the 173 million Americans who had summer vacations on the books planned to take those U.S.-based. Since everything's been shut down, we think that those numbers are likely to drop. But as states start opening back up and it start, the confidence of the American travelers start to rise, We think that the U.S. destinations, specifically places you can get by road tripping or doing a short domestic flight, are going to be the ones that are going to open up the first. They're the ones that most people are going to feel comfortable going with. And we see that on election years always, not just this year, but now because of COVID and the election year, it's likely that it's going to be even more heightened that people are traveling locally. And so it's really exciting that the gas prices are so low right now. So when people are starting to travel, as everyone's getting a little antsy, then it's more doable and feasible for everyone to be able to do so.
4: Meredith, I know there's a lot of pent-up energy and Minnesotans are ready to hit the road once things are more stable. I'm guessing travel projections will be much different moving forward.
3: Even though a lot of states are still shut down right now, that doesn't mean that travel is gone forever. And that's something really important for everyone to remember is that still investigating future travel and planning their dream travel, and there, we're starting to see that people reaching out to travel agents. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen sometime in the fairly near future, hopefully sooner rather than later. But there's a mindset in America that people want to travel again, and as soon as it is safe to do so, people will be doing that. So it's not too it's not too early to start booking those those dream vacations or seeing what you can do locally and how can you travel around your state or your neighboring states. And the AAA travel agents are really excited to help people start planning those vacations and taking that first step towards being able to get out of the house as soon as we're able to safely do so.
4: Thanks again to my guest, AAA Minnesota spokeswoman Meredith Terpstra. For more information and to get started planning a trip, you can visit AAA.com. Again, that web address is AAA.com. I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm ready to plan a vacation. Back to you.
0: Thank you, Tasha. Yeah, I know how you feel. I'd rather just take a vacation and not even have to plan one at this point. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
2: Hi Minnesota, Governor Tim Walz here. I know the past few weeks have been incredibly difficult and disruptive. We're facing an unprecedented challenge in the COVID-19 virus. I want you to know that the state of Minnesota is putting every resource into this fight. We're being thoughtful and collaborative, both inside and outside of government, to keep Minnesotans safe. What I need from each of you is, is continue to do what you've been doing so well. Stay home when you can, especially when you're sick. Follow those rules, wash your hands, cover your cough, Don't touch your face. They're not just things to repeat. They actually save lives. If you need more information, please go to the Minnesota Department of Health website and use the hashtag StayHomeMN. Minnesotans, we've been through challenging times before. This will press us, but we will get through it. We'll do it by the basic decency about caring for our neighbors and following the rules that keep us all safe. We'll get through this together, Minnesota, and come out stronger on the other side. Thanks for your cooperation.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. With many non essential businesses open again in Minnesota and bars and restaurants getting guidance on bringing customers back, another reopening domino to fall could be your local gym. Reporter J.W. Cox has more.
7: Maybe it's someone looking to shed the quarantine 15 or 20, or maybe it's just a gym rat who's tired of the four walls of their home gym. Whatever the motivation, gym and health club members could get the green light to head back to facilities next month. Across Minnesota, that includes the local Y. Mark Hennessy is the executive director of the Alliance of Minnesota YMCAs. He told me that the green light is really all they need to welcome members back again.
6: Well, the good news is we've been open doing emergency child care, so we've got some experience in terms of social distancing. And so as we open up our facilities for our members, uh, we'll use some of that experience and screening, keeping people far enough apart. We've got uh, large facilities that we can spread people out. So we've really been developing plans to do that uh, and have people back safely and, and in a welcoming environment. But it will look a bit different.
7: What are some of those things that people can expect if they do get back in, whether it's June 1st or shortly thereafter or whenever it is that they get back in? What are some of the differences that people might notice and should expect?
6: There'll be some uh, screening that will happen as people enter the building, just to make sure that we're only having healthy people come back. We'll also uh, you know, have people spread out, so uh, no clumps of people together. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of uh, surface cleaning, sanitizing equipment between use. Um, and then uh, spreading people out as they get back on uh, equipment and uh, our group exercise classes will have proper distancing in them. So lots of different uh, ways to keep people uh, you know, coming to the, the Y, but also safe at the same time.
7: You mentioned some of those cleaning procedures, and as a gym, I'm sure that's something that is ingrained every day anyway before all of this happened. Does that put you in a, in a good position to just ramp that up a little, but already have that basis of cleanliness and knowledge of how to do that on a day-to-day basis?
6: Absolutely. We've been doing it for uh, years and years and years, and we're just going to do more of it more frequently. Um, at, at, All different times of the day to really uh, uh, keep people uh, as safe as possible. We'll be wiping uh, everything down between use uh, both before and after and uh, using the right chemicals and the right uh, protocols uh, which have been worked on uh, and enhanced uh, from our normal really good operating procedures so yes.
7: Are you hearing from members, is this opening something that that they're excited about potentially that they're wanting to have back as a part of their routine to be able to get out and go to the gym and and have that bit of normalcy at least?
6: Yes, people are really excited and looking forward to it, uh, knowing that things are going to be different, but uh, very excited to get back uh, into a routine and uh, doing it in a safe way. We're uh, doing things in a very careful way and really wanting to make sure we keep uh, our facilities safe for everyone, and and then also making sure that we're ready for all the other things that the Y does, which is serving kids in many uh, summer programs, and we're getting ready for that simultaneously. So short answer is yes, they really are excited to be back in action.
7: That's an interesting point you bring up. Are there plans in place to have some camps or activities or, or, or day events? Are there plans to try and make some of those happen as the summer rolls on and as the restrictions may allow?
6: Yes. We'll be offering uh, summer day camps, again, with some changes, which we've communicated to those families. And uh, We have had to cancel uh, many of our overnight uh, camping uh, opportunities for this summer, but we'll be back in action for those. Uh, And then youth sports will be very gradual and done in a, a very limited and safe way, but we're making plans for those also.
7: What's the communication been like with maybe the health department or government officials about where health clubs, gyms, the Y all stand in terms of potentially being ready to open out of the gates in the month of June and as soon as possible?
6: Well, we've been in close communication with the Department of Health and uh, again, following best practice. We have Ys around the state, so uh, all of them are in touch with their local county health officials and just staying and really close contact with them, and in many cases, uh, showing them their reopening plans. So I think we'll be ready to go once the green light is given by the governor's office uh, and ready for uh, welcoming people back. We don't expect uh, 100% return immediately. People are going to kind of self-select coming back as they uh, uh, look at their own situations, but uh, we'll be ready for them.
7: Whether the bike, the treadmill, the stairs, or the iron, getting back to the gym could be one more step to getting back to normal. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening. Please
0: stay healthy. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.